everybody. This is Tom. And we have a special podcast that we are doing. It's going to be on some of the questions that you all have submitted on spiritual warfare. So Pastor Ryan's here. Say hi. Hello. And I'm here. This is Tom, Pastor Tom. And so we're going to progressively take different questions you've submitted and we'll have this divided up into either two or three podcasts and hopefully we'll address a number of the questions you have. Maybe if you have some more, we'll answer some more. So let's start off with the first one that has to do with where demons come from. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this uh, series of podcasts, Tom. This is going to be uh, interesting. And thank you for all of you who have sent in some questions. It's uh, currently going through a sermon series on this topic. And, and I think while it's been informative, it definitely has brought out some good questions. Yeah. That uh, Which I'm excited about because we can go in some places that we can't necessarily go on a Sunday morning. And uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun to, to jump into these. Um, I, I did want to say on the outset, the, the questions that came in were really good, but they're not necessarily easy to answer. And at least from my perspective, a, a lot of why it's hard to answer is because there's not a lot of biblical data to some of the questions that are asked. I mean, we, we do want to know. We're, we're very curious. And, um, but it's really important, I think, on these types of questions, not just on spiritual warfare, but on all kinds of topics, that we want to study and form our convictions on what the Bible says, but we don't want to go beyond that. Yeah, I mean, we can speculate and we can say it's speculation, but to have solid ground we're standing on, we need to be biblically rooted. And that's our effort yeah. for both Tom and myself. Uh, there are some things we're just not told. Uh, I mean, the scriptures are true, but they're not exhaustive. Right. There are things that the Lord just simply doesn't tell us about. And he tells us this in Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29 fascinating verse. He says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may follow all the words of this law. And there's a lot in that verse, but you clearly see that there's just some things that in his wisdom and in his will, he just doesn't tell us about. Yeah. Can you imagine if God told us everything he knows about everything, there would be more books than we could ever consume. Nor would we probably be able to understand it anyway. Yeah, exactly. So, so, uh, so we'll do our best here with this. So, yeah, as Pastor Tom shared, where do demons come from? Let's take that on first, have a little conversation about it. It's a, it's a, it's a good question. Um, and, and the thing about it is the Bible does not explicitly answer this question. Um, but there are clues. There are, there are some things that we can, we can look at. Um, for example, we know from Scripture that demons are it's called what's called incorporeal beings what that simply means is they're non-physical they're they're spiritual so it's they're different than say you and i as people of course the other place that we can go to is actually the book of revelation to get some clues um, that demons were originally created as angels now i use that word clue very intentionally because there isn't a verse that clearly says that demons were angels and yet we do have some passages so so this idea they originally created as angels who for whatever reason joined satan's rebellion uh, against the lord most likely out of the, satan's deceit and deception you know for these angels and and and, and whatnot um, and i get that from a couple of verses in revelation chapter 12 is is really a, a key spot so verse 4 says this regarding 
the devil. It says that his tail swept a third of the stars, stars referring in this, most interpreters would, would agree, say angels, they swept a third of the stars or angels out of the sky and flung them to earth. And so again, theologically, with that verse, and that actually goes back to Ezekiel chapter 28 as well, but, but you got this picture of a certain number of the angels joined Satan in this, in this rebellion. Verse 9 gives us a little more insight where it says the great dragon, again referring to Satan, was hurled down. That ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray, and here it is, he was hurled down to the earth and his angels with him. Now that's pretty descriptive there. And I think that does give us some, some handholds there on this question that these fallen angels um, uh, refer to here in verse nine. This is what scripture also calls the demonic or demons. So um, it's a little bit maybe of their of their background, where they come from. We, we know they serve their master, Satan. Um, they're organized, they're effective, they're relentless. Um, and let me just add one more thought too, that while there may be a little bit of mystery regarding where demons come from, there's zero mystery regarding where they're going. We, we know through scripture the absoluteness of their coming judgment. We know the, the punishment, the lake of fire, uh, what's reserved for them. And Matthew 25 talks about this is, uh, is absolutely certain. Matthew 25, 41, I think. I believe you're right, yes. Yeah. That eternal punishment that yeah. awaits them. It says, uh, then he'll say to those on the left, depart from me, you are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. There's devil and his angels again. That expression is used yeah. again, yes. Yeah, Second Peter 2, 4 has a similar kind of phrasing where it talks about how he's bound the satanic angels. Take me a second to find it, but yeah. very similar in terms of how it's put. Yeah. Yeah, and historically, while you're looking for that verse, historical orthodoxy in, in Christianity has embraced this idea that the demons uh, previously created holy and good as angels to serve the Lord, and we'll actually be talking about angels a little later on. Um, you know that that that. That role—that's uh, that, where they come from. That's their background, if you will. Um, yeah, Second Timothy two four talks about some of the angels. God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them into gloomy dungeons to be held for judgment. However, that works. There you go. Certainly, it uh, helps to reinforce what we've been talking about in terms of where they come from. It's a good question. I appreciate who asked that, though. That was a good question about demons. Great. So another question that we have is what do demons do? And this is going to take us a little while to kind of work through this and talk about some of these different areas and things. So first and foremost, I would say that demons tempt. Over in uh, James chapter 1, verse 13, we're told that temptation is common. We experience temptation. We know that even Jesus was tempted. We're aware of that. Hebrews 4.15 talks about that Jesus undergoes the same kind of temptations that we have. We're aware of how Jesus was tempted in the devil by Satan over in Matthew chapter 4. 
And so first and foremost, um, the, the devil tempts. So you might ask the question, what is temptation? And one simple definition would be that temptation is the opportunity to sin. It's the occasion when we can sin if we follow through on the temptation that's presented to us. And, you know, that's kind of the picture that's given in James 1 is kind of like a hook on a fishing line. The bait is there and we're a lot smarter than a fish, so we don't have to take the bait. And hopefully we're wiser, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, but the bait's there and sometimes the fact is that we take it. So temptation is a part of that spiritual warfare that goes on each and every day and is probably the one area that we, rec we would recognize most of all in terms of spiritual warfare. So Tom, on that point, is, is all temptation come from the evil one? Wow, that's a hard question. Uh, so I would uh, say that temptation comes from three sources, and this would take us a little while to, uh, to respond to as well. So maybe we'll come back to that question at some point, but I'll answer it quickly. First of all, I'd say that temptation comes from the world, that is the world system that's around us. Uh, it comes from our flesh, or some people translate it the sinful nature, and some temptation comes from Satan and his demonic hordes. And so we get all worked up about spiritual warfare, but really Satan uses and his demons use the flesh and the world much more, and that's in a sense where we should really be most concerned is what's going on. Right, because to that end, sometimes we give the devil too much credit, don't we? Exactly. So uh, one person uh, that I read said, temptation is the tempter looking through the keyhole into the room where you are living. Sin is you're drawing back the bolt and making it possible for him to enter. Now that's kind of dramatic in some ways, uh, but again, sometimes we just need those pictures. Martin Luther put it this way. He says, you can't keep the birds from flying around your head, but you can keep them from making a nest in your hair, just in terms of just the aspect of be aware. First um, Corinthians 10, 13 says, no temptation has seized you except that which is common to man, and God is able to uh, rescue us, is kind of how it's put. He's able to uh, fill us with his spirit in the midst of the temptation so that we don't have to make that choice. We do, we do have the, the ability in Christ to overcome temptation. So anyway, that's the first area where Satan's involved. Second area would be the area of what we might call um, domination or um, influence, bondage, destructive habits different kinds of uh, aspects of life that we struggle with in terms of addiction, whether alcohol, drugs, uh, anger, bitterness, depression, laziness. Uh, Romans 6 addresses all these kinds of things. And when we tar start talking about demonic possession and oppression, this is where that enters into. Uh, third, demonic affliction. Um, again, this is a difficult area 
and sometimes my brothers and sisters over in Africa and Asia have a better handle on this and that's there are occasions when Satan is involved in physical or psychological illnesses now we, we utilize medicine we should utilize medicine but certainly within scripture we know within the gospels that there's many cases where there's satanic affliction that takes place and we do have some situations paul talks about a, th a thorn in the flesh whether that was psychological whether it was an actual physical illness we're not sure but um, there does seem to be some impact in terms of health and we just need to be aware of that that satan can utilize poor health uh, and can add to the affliction that we have during those times. So what I'm wondering on this point, uh, somebody who's listening to this podcast might ask or wonder, well, how do I discern the difference between um, an illness, like I suffer from migraines or I have, or whatever the case may be, um, and what is demonic affliction? Yeah, and obviously there are people that take it to, ex to the extreme that would say, I don't go to a doctor because I just pray it through. And again, I meet all kinds of people in Africa and in Asia who have those kinds of viewpoints that anything, even medically, can be overcome if we pray it through. So I'm not sure that we need to necessarily answer that question in terms of our prayer life. Our prayer life can be, should be, is um, God release me and God in your name I, I pray that I can overcome or that he or she can overcome this illness and I guess the question I'd kind of bounce back to you is do we need to separate those things it seemed like in the life and ministry of Jesus for example we saw a distinction so there were times when Jesus would interact with somebody who had a physical illness mm -hmm. uh, blindness for example and would heal and there were times, of course, when demons would be cast out. So you do see a distinction, and it was all, and it was, and it was like the people of that time and culture also understood that there was a distinction as well. Uh, the argument could be made as well that there are some examples where you see mental health types of things that would be going on. So, I guess I asked the question because yeah. is it it's all just in question. one big pot and it's all interrelated? So every illness sort of has a demonic element behind it. And I don't think we see that in scripture. There are there no, are some I wouldn't things. Say we see that. No. Yeah, we see. You know, so some things are just our physical bodies. We age, or we right. we get disease, or injury, or we age. You know, things happen. Right. And physically, mentally, well, even emotionally, you can go through. You know, you can sort of break up the different right. parts of human experience. Uh, and then you've got the demonic activity as well. So, so it's it's an interesting topic, and the role of the demonic there. I mean, there, there's a lot there to mine. There's a lot there to discuss. Yes. Yeah. And that's all I'm saying is in those situations where we're suffering from those kinds of things that Satan can tempt us to disbelieve, to pull away from God, to um, not move forward in faith, but to really allow those situations to cause us to um, just go down downward in disappointment and not look to God 
as we should. That's mainly what I'm saying. Okay. So it is, you're saying that the demonic is not that they cause the affliction, but they can use the affliction exactly. to bring tremendous discouragement exactly. and hopelessness. Yes. Or, okay. Yeah, just right. to clarify. Right. So, yeah, good question to think about. Of course, uh, fourth, um, fourth area is the whole area of uh, demonic possession, what that is, and uh, the whole question of can believers be demonically possessed? I would say no. Uh, we can go, again, we can come back to this a little bit later. And I would say that um, this whole area of demonic possession would only be encountered in someone who's an unbeliever. So that's just kind of an overview of four different areas that uh, demons are active in our world. Anything to add to that? That you think of? Uh, that was really good. I, I was you mentioned it, you preached this last Sunday at New Hope, and you'd mentioned a book by C.S. Lewis called Screw Tape Letters. Which uh, summer's coming? If you're looking for a good summer book to read to to really unpack a lot of this question, uh, Tom, that you just took on and and we're responding to. I just think that would be a fantastic resource uh, to enjoy. Yeah, and the thing that I was talking with somebody after the service about the book. What C.S. Lewis does is he takes this topic and he really helps you to emotionally enter into that aspect of temptation and what happens during temptation. And C.S. Lewis is so good at painting word pictures. Obviously, again, he's going way beyond scripture in terms of what he writes, but the activity of Satan and the demonic realm, it does give us a picture of what's possible. Yes, absolutely. So let's go on uh, to another question here, a little more complicated question, if you'd like to introduce yeah, that. Yeah, Tom, I appreciate yeah. you giving me this one. <laughs> this, is, this is a thoughtful <laughs> question, um, and here's how it's asked, and then I'll try to break it down. It says, if, if man was created to glorify God, and we were given free will so that we might choose him freely... Why was the creation of man necessary if the angels were already able to make this choice? And parenthetically says, and Satan and his followers chose to oppose God. So good question. A lot here. Let, let me, when, when, I, when I read the question, here's how my mind sort of unpacked it. And I'll just relay that here just as we, uh, we talk on this podcast. The, the first thing I want to mention is that let's, let's talk about why did God create people? And... Again, and I say again because of the last question I took lead on, the, the Bible does not explicitly say why God chose to create human beings. Having said that, the Bible does talk about, and multiple times, what our purpose is. And I would hold that learning from the scriptures what our purpose is really does give us insight into why we were created. So what's our purpose? Well, ultimately, you can boil it down to two ideas, both in multiple places in the scriptures are, are talked about. The first one, we were created, our purpose is to glorify God. And what, what that means and what's most helpful in my own mind to explain what that means is that we were created to spotlight him, to, to direct praise and um, uh, our purpose 
everything orients around him. So we bring him glory. The second thing regarding our purpose is fellowship with him. So we were created to be in relationship with him. That you see from Genesis through Revelation, this story arc of God building a family. And he is our heavenly father. And and so we were created to be in relationship with him and to glorify him in that relationship. Okay, so that that's some information about people. So how about angels? Like, why did God create angels? Well, a, a great verse to go to on that, I think, is Hebrews chapter 1. Verse 14 gives us uh, some insight here. What it says is, not uh, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? At the end there, those you know who will inherit salvation, well, these are people, these are believers, those who trust in Jesus. So what we learn from this verse is that angels were created by the Lord to serve him first and foremost. So, And they do that in a variety of ways. I mean, as messengers, as warriors, destroyers, protectors, we see all these different examples in Scripture of how angels um, serve the Lord. That That is their purpose. That's why they were created. And an important part of that, which we see here in Hebrews 1, is to minister to Christians, to believers. So that's why God created angels. We talked about the purpose of people. So in light of those two ideas, I would submit to to all of us that the role of angels is very important. But here's the key. Angels were created to serve God, but people were created to have a relationship with God and to bring him glory. So both are important, but they're different. Mm -hmm. Angels and people are not equal in greatness. In fact, we know, we know um, in eternity that people are greater than the angels. And uh, so, so again, they're, they're different and created for different purposes. So back to the question. So yes, both mankind and angels, both created with free will both um, important in the role of creation, but they are different. And, and so I think the question which asks, why are people necessary if angels already have free will? It's sort of like asking why cats are necessary because we already have dogs. I'm a dog person, not a cat person, right? So like we already have dogs, like why do we need cats? Well, they're different. And frankly, God wanted dogs and cats. So he created both and they both sort of have maybe different roles or whatever, but they're just different. One doesn't cancel out, cancel out the other. People and angels are different. They have different roles. They have different purposes. And so while they share that libertarian free will dynamic, they're not the same. Yeah, and Jesus did not come to earth as an angel. He did not. He came to earth as a man. And because of the preciousness of man, that's why he went to the cross, to die as the God-man. And so... He didn't go to redeem that, the demons exactly, who we just talked about. Exactly. But fallen humanity. Yeah. So so they're very different. And uh, and I hope that helps to sort out that question of, well, I mean, because if angels came first and had the free will, and like, why, why do something different? But there was something grand that God was doing in the pinnacle of his creation to create create people and Amen. build a family. Well, let's, let's take on this question a little bit of demon possession and these are the kinds of uh, this is the kind of topic that 
people get real excited about and we hear stories and or scared certainly, about what's that or scared about. or scared about yeah for sure so the first question of can a christian be possessed by a demon i already gave my answer to that question that no i don't think so and the reason why is uh if we truly have trusted in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, repented of our sins, turned to him, and were a follower of Jesus, then scripture describes this in terms of going from one kingdom, kingdom of darkness, to the kingdom of light, the kingdom of his beloved son, is how it's put in Colossians 1.13. So our allegiance has changed, and we've, we're completely part of a different kingdom, 1 John 4, 4 says, You are from God, little children. You've overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And he who is in the world is referring to Satan and his demons. We're temples of the living God. That's uh, described over in 1 Corinthians, uh, tells us about that. And so we are sealed and kept by God in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. So we have a number of these passages that tells us that we are set apart, that we are filled with the Holy Spirit, that we're sealed by the Holy Spirit, and we don't have any passages that would talk about how a believer would be possessed by Satan. It's just not there. Uh, so that's why my answer is no in terms of uh, in regard to a believer. Now, we do have um, statements about resist him, be firm in your faith. 1 Peter 5, 9, Ephesians 6, 10 talks about that. James 4, 7 talks about that. And we do have um, the wording in Greek uh, to be uh, demonizomai. It means to be, I would say, it means to be oppressed. Um, by satanic, demonic influence. And one place that we might go to doesn't necessarily use that particular word, but over in Ephesians chapter 4, verse uh, 27, it talks about resolving our conflicts and the need to... Um, not be overcome by anger and not allow our anger to consume us. And it says then, don't do this in verse, chapter 4, verse 27, because you'll give the devil a foothold. And the wording that is used there, the word is uh, tapas, Greek word tapas, from which we get the word topography. And so, in other words, don't allow Satan to step on the property. God is the one who you've given your life to the Lord. And so don't allow Satan to have any influence or impact to be stepping on that which God owns, which is uh, the life that he's given you and which is the salvation that he has given you. So what, what would be satanic oppression versus possession, I would say it would be, as we talked earlier, about the influence that can come upon us through the world, through our sinful nature, and just there in Ephesians, that context of how anger can be something that harms others and harms ourselves 
um, that passage saying, don't allow that to dominate in your life, to oppress you, to for Satan to use those kinds of things against you. Now, for an unbeliever, Scripture would describe an unbeliever, again, going back to the book of Ephesians, it says that we used to be a part of Satan's kingdom. And so it makes sense then, and we see over in the Gospels many times where Satan has so overcome someone that it leads to behavior and to problems that are beyond their own ability to resolve. One person is the uh, demoniac, the demon that has possessed the uh, Gadarene over the uh, guy that's over in Gadarene. I'll have to look and find that passage. It's in, I think, Matthew. I have to think uh, where that's at. Oh, Matthew chapter 8, verses 28 through 34, where you remember uh, where he had demonic influence and he had a pretty um, severe kind of condition. Let me just read that. It's a passage I'm sure you're familiar with. Matthew 8, 26 through 34. Uh, Jesus arrived at the other side in the region of the Gadarenes. Two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. They asked him, What do you want with us, Son of God? Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? And then, um, you remember, it's an odd passage where the uh, pigs are there. The demons beg Jesus, If you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. And he said, Go. And I don't know how all that works. But uh, anyway, um, these men were healed from this demonic possession. And so we do have several other instances in the Gospels where people were chained, in a sense, uh, to Satan. And they needed to be released from that. And certainly, we again, uh, today, we hear stories of people that are so under the influence of satanic oppression as an unbeliever that when Christ comes in, Jesus says, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And we hear stories of people where that takes place. So that's kind of a long answer to the question, but there is a lot to that. Yeah, it's really good. So just to recap, what you're saying is if you know Christ, spiritual warfare can come at you, but not from within you. Yes, that's a good way to put it. And, uh, yeah. and I think that should be comforting. I think for those who are listening and, and you have a relationship with Jesus, uh, the warfare is real. And, and we've been discussing that in the sermon series and this podcast that will be coming up. But um, you have all the tools that you need. You are in Christ. You are His the resources are there, and to know that you cannot be possessed, I think that should bring some comfort. Amen. The battle's still real, but you know who you belong to, and that's such an important thing. Yes. Yeah. We don't need to be afraid. We can come in confidence. We live in. We can live in confidence that the Lord is at work in our lives, in us and through us, and that we can overcome those things that we all battle with. That's right. That's right. And that's those resources that you're referring to. I mean, that really is that armor of God. Amen. That uh, in Ephesians 6 talks about. And um, the resources are there. It's our job to put it on. 
It's our job to, you know, in terms of all that that means. And of course, the armor is a metaphor. It's not literally armor, but it's our job to live those out so we can take our stand. Yeah, I would uh, really encourage you uh, listeners to listen to this series of messages from Sunday mornings and just think through how can you utilize that armor and really do it. I, I understand that sitting, listening, learning, we all want to do that, but it's the doing that counts. There you go. There you go. And that's a good thing. And if you're not a part of New Hope and you're listening to this podcast, you can just go to the, the New Hope website, newhopeadel.org, and uh, click on media. And the, of course, the podcasts are there, and uh, as well as all the, the messages. And you can get hopefully some of that encouragement and the tools uh, in terms of what you can apply to your life to, to really begin to see some victory uh, in this area, because that's what the Lord wants for us. Amen. Blessings and our prayers are with you. And so we'll continue on next time. Take care.